Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have updates from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman as well. There is widespread snow at this hour across eastern South Dakota, nearly all of Minnesota, and now uh, slipping into uh, just across the river into eastern North Dakota as well. The system will be pushing from the east to the west this morning with strong northerly winds. Additional snowfall and gusty winds will be the rule for the next 24 hours in eastern North Dakota. Current snowfall amounts include 36 inches at Deadwood, South Dakota, 15.5 at Lisbon, North Dakota, 13.4 inches at Bismarck. There's a foot of snow, new snow from the last 24 hours in Crookston, Grand Forks, Devil's Lake, and Wadena. I-94 remains closed at this hour from Jamestown to Dickinson. Highway 52 between Jamestown and Minot also closed. Caution is advised. Well, more snow in the forecast today. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Home on the Prairie weather owner Mark Ewan says after the heap of snow across the Midwest this week, cold air will follow in its wake. There is a fairly significant dump of polar air that formed over Siberia last week. It looks like as a part of a change in the pattern. Very cold, more typical air for mid to late December will be spilling across the northern plains with daytime highs in some areas below zero by the middle of next week. Ewan says while all this moisture might look promising against drought conditions, there could still be drought issues this spring. Well, the problem with snow is that it's typically very good for putting moisture into the topsoil during the actual melt. But unfortunately, as far as mitigating long-term drought, we need those spring rains because much of the snow ends up running off into the river systems. Of course, the worst of the drought as of going into the winter was across eastern Nebraska and southern South Dakota into northern Iowa, with the Red River Valley region being in lesser but still significant drought across the region, typically D1 or D2 in most areas. So it will help in the spring for planting and initial growth, but we need those spring and summer rains. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. As expected, the Federal Reserve increased the benchmark interest rates by another 50 basis points. Fed Chair Jerome Powell also indicated rates will likely increase through next spring, but at a lower level. During the Q&A session yesterday, Powell was asked about China easing its COVID restrictions and reopening its economy. China faces a very challenging situation in, in reopening. We, you know, we've seen uh, waves of COVID all around the world can interfere with economic activity. China, a very critical manufacturing a place for manufacturing and exporting their supply chains very important um, and uh, China faces a reopening they've you know they've backed away from their COVID restriction policies there could be very significant increases in COVID and we'll just have to see it's a risky situation it but again it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's likely to have material overall effects on us the Dow Nasdaq and S&P all declined when that interest rate decision was announced Northern Crops Marketing and Investments President Brad Paulson says the interest rate hike was expected. Yeah, the big news there, they did raise rates by half a percent. Uh, 
and the range is four and a quarter to four and a half percent. And they did make the comment they plan to raise rates above five percent in the new year. I think the next Fed meeting is the end of January, and that would be the uh, right now the rates are as highest in 15 years since the 2007 start of the financial meltdown in 2007-8. And Paulson is expecting the Fed to slow those rate hikes sometime before next summer. Uh, we're approaching uh, probably close to, you know, probably there's another rate hike or two left in there before they maybe take a pause, but we'll have to see how the economy performs and how they, everybody takes these higher interest rates going forward. The House has passed a one-week extension to the continuing resolution, giving lawmakers more time to work on the omnibus spending bill. The Senate will now take up the legislation. That gives Congress until December 23rd to take action. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, who wants to be the Speaker of the House, wants to delay action until January when the Republicans take control of the lower chamber. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Ag tractors saw a spike in sales in November while total tractor sales were down. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Small tractors under 40 horse saw a retreat toward normal after sales spiked during the pandemic. Association of Equipment Manufacturers Senior Vice President of Agriculture Kurt Blades says that while those sales decreased drastically, agriculture tractors over 100 horse saw an increase due to several Several factors in the month of November. The November story for tractor combine sales is really kind of a, a continuation of a story we've been seeing for the last few months. And that uh, overall tractor sales are, are down, but there's a story behind the story, and that is that ag tractors, ag specific tractors, those over 100 horsepower, those articulated four wheel drive tractors, and self propelled combines are actually all up for the month of November and all up quite a little bit for the uh, for the entire year. The, the decline is largely due to small tractors, uh, those under 40 horsepower tractors that saw a tremendous spike during the pandemic. Blade says net farm income and technology were leading contributors to the increased sales of ag tractors and combines. You know, despite the high input prices, net farm income is still projected to be quite high uh, in 2022. And so you know, farmers typically looking for you know, some capital expenses to help with taxes. We're also seeing some of that availability beginning uh, to become a little bit more of a reality, where because of the supply chain challenges, maybe deliveries haven't been able to be taken. And the, the, the other driver specifically as it relates to combines, but even tractors as well, is there some new technology out there that's pretty remarkable. And farmers being able to take advantage of that new technology to get the most out of their machines and become as efficient as they possibly can be, that seems to be driving a lot of demand as well. Reporting agriculture's business, on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Companies are voluntarily canceling their chlorpyrifos registrations. North Dakota State University Extension Pesticide Program Manager Andrew Thostenson says the food tolerances were revoked in February and hasn't been used since. It may be the end of the use of this tool. Corteva exited the market voluntarily back in 2020, so that meant that you know, really what we were looking were generic manufacturers like Adama and, and Winfield and and a, Tenco's and, and a few other folks, but but really without a, a, a solid market for it, uh, I just can't imagine seeing Copirifos back on the market anytime soon. 
effectively, at least in the United States, by my opinion, is, is, is copyrifos is gone. According to NDSU, the difference between the very best legally available synthetic treatments and chlorpyrifos, there's a $100 spread due to the presence of sugar beet root maggot. Losing chlorpyrifos has been a significant cost item for sugar beet growers. More restrictions are possible in the future. Well, one of the things that concerns me is, is that EPA has at least had conversations and has talked about losing uh, or, or taking off the marketplace all organophosphate insecticides, which includes some some very major products that that we use in agriculture, and um, uh, I don't see that happening, um, you know, right away. But I certainly think that EPA has a bias against organophosphate insecticides generally. Countergranules would be one example of an organophosphate. Well, we'll continue our year-end tax tip series with NDSU Extension Farm Management Specialist Ron Haugen. Haugen says one way to reduce tax liability is through retirement planning. That's always a good thing, even if you're young, kind of think pretty soon before you know it, you're old, you know, so you got to think about retirement all the time. And uh, so a good idea to start uh, 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 putting a deposit into your retirement account and, 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 and portions of that are deductible as well. I do want to mention one thing though, uh, talking about the filing deadlines. Uh, uh, farmers and fishermen ha have a special perk where they, they can file on March 1st without making, making deposits. The weekly report from the Energy Information Administration shows ethanol production for the week ending December 9th was down 16,000 barrels per day to 1.06 million barrels. Ethanol stocks are up 1.2 million barrels to 24.4 million. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Grain markets continue to trade inside of trading channels. Van Onen Company CEO Jim Emter says there is good demand for soybean products, but soybeans are struggling with overhead resistance. We continue to see dryness down in Argentina as we look around and see this base tone of good demand around the soybean complex. That's the market that's up near the upper end of the range. Really, we haven't traded higher than where we've been against since June 22nd. If we can get above this 1492 area, you start to look at some 1556 type price counts. And if we falter here, this is a good marketing opportunity with as good as basis levels are. And the corn market trading just above chart support. Kind of bouncing back, uh, seeing, finding the 650 level, uh, which is a good pivot level. If we can get above, realistically, the 660 area, you start opening up to get above some key volume areas, get above the 40-day moving average, and then potentially get into a more bull market. If we ever break down below that 638, you're looking at a $6 type futures price ahead. So, you know, we're kind of stuck in this range the 2023 Farm Bill, already a hot topic. North Dakota Wheat Commission Administrator Neil Fisher says additional funding for market development is something that they're working on. We have cooperator programs, we call it, with U.S. Wheat Associates. That's a very important thing for market development program, market assistance program. There are two bills in Congress now to double the funding because we've lost about 40% of our spending power, our investment in market development due to the, the uh, the inflationary pressures and the, the strength of the dollar and all that sort of thing is going on out there. 
So very important. We hope that uh, will ride on into the Farm Bill and become something that we can, we can really use to open up new markets in places like Indonesia and other areas where we have had so much success in South Asia so far. 80% of our market is there. We can, do, we can do bigger, better things. About half of the North Dakota wheat crop is used right here, but trade is integral. Trade is very important. We have countries, markets in 60 countries right now. Uh, we have markets out there in 100, but sometimes they have to go to a cheaper alternative or logistics are bad or something else. But 60 regular customers, 80% of that in Asia. Don't want to leave the domestic market out because right here in the U.S., 50% of this crop is used here. Very high-end flowers, very high-end restaurant markets. Checking markets, Minneapolis wheat March two and a quarter higher at nine nineteen and a half. Chicago wheat March two and three quarter higher, and hard red winter wheat March a two cent gain. The corn market steady to a fraction down. March three quarters of a cent lower, six forty nine and three quarters. January soybeans fourteen eighty one and three quarters. That's down by a half cent as we speak. On the farm calendar, NDSU Extension hosting it. Uh, it's getting it right in soybean production update. Uh, this is an online presentation going on on December 20th, so Tuesday of next week. And on Wednesday of next week, the 21st, they'll be doing a dry bean version of getting it right. Again, that's another virtual meeting. And American Farm Bureau Federation, their annual convention coming up January 6th through the 11th. They'll be meeting in Puerto Rico. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. <music>